I saw that Detective Pikachu movie. That's the craziest movie I've I ever seen. I thought it was seen. great. It was like, I just did not expect so many murders. There was, <laughs> there was just a lot of murders. Yeah, it's a, it's such a weird, I don't know, I feel like Hollywood is kind of in this mode right now where it's like, we're just going to do whatever and see what sticks. I mean, like, Quentin Tarantino is going to do a Star Trek movie. Oh, Star Trek? With, yeah. like, swears. He's going to, like, replicate, like, some feet or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or dreading it. I, I can't really tell which way it's going to go. Are you a Star Wars fan, Ellie? <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we starting the podcast yet? Is this part oh, yeah. of the podcast? Okay, okay. Yeah. There, there was no intro or anything. I know what's going on. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan. My uh, knowledge of Star Trek is um, fleeting, if you will. So uh, <laughs> you need to yeah. So I'm you need to switch really, sides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean it's all on Netflix, so I really need to get you know to get into it. I actually um, started watching Farscape. Is that the one? Uh, oh hell yeah! Yeah. So I was actually enjoying that more. I don't know if that, what that says about me. Hold on. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, so Ellie. I'm sorry, Ellie. I hate to interrupt, but I think Brendan is that phone ringing again? Uh oh. It's the uh, it's the emergency burn phone. It's my burner. <laughs> Your burner phone. <laughs> my burner phone is ringing we up. The probably, hook. We should probably pick it up. Uh, liquid flannel calling hotline. Who's this? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hold on a second. Jane! Jane, turn it down! I'm on the telegraph! I think it's John Philip Sousa. We've got John Philip Sousa the on the line. The tax returns, the ones they haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> Se- Senator Sanders, is that you? Yes, are you ready for some radical ideas? Always, always, Senator. It's so nice to have you back. Glad to be back. Now look, as you may know, yesterday I made a speech outlining my vision for democratic socialism in this country. And I understand that for a lot of people, socialism is a scary word. You say, hey, I'm a socialist, and people say, look at Venezuela, they're eating rats. And of course, I'm not (laughs) saying we should eat rats. What I am saying is that we should make the rats cook for us, not me, us, and train them to be little chefs, provide meals to millions of people. Like a is this a is this a Red Bull podcast crossover? <laughs> it's a it sounds more like a Ratatouille thing to me. Look, I I haven't seen the film personally, but my uh, eleven hundred grandchildren all assure me <laughs> that it's fun for the whole family, and I think that's what the political revolution could be. Right? Do you think that's Do you think that's going to resonate? Uh, I mean, definitely that'll play like on the East Coast, where you know the French, there, there are know, lots of rats politically divisive. <laughs> There, there are lots of rats like in New York City, but is that going to play for somebody in, um, say, Oklahoma, where it's mostly like possums and raccoons? Well, what we need to do is redistribute the rats, okay? Take the rats out of the urban centers, bring them into the hinterland, uh, put them in every elementary school. You know, we have a school lunch crisis going on right now, okay? And I think the rats could supplement the shortage we have there. I, I, as as always, Senator, that's that's a pretty amazing, um, like you said, kind of a radical idea. Um, I wanted to ask you while we had the chance, uh, you gave a speech yesterday where you started listing enemies. Um, you listed uh, Big Pharma. You listed the big bankers and Wall Street. Um, and, and people uh, on yes. Twitter seem to be kind of upset that you were naming enemies. And, and I wondered mm-hmm. if you could address that some. Well, of course. Look. The reality is, anybody who got upset by that is my political enemy. All right? They're they're going on the list. I need their handles. Please send them to me or to Jane. 
Uh, <laughs> leave us a message on BertieSanders.com. Let me know so I could get into a long multi-thread argument with each and every one of them and explain to them why it's important to identify your enemies. Are you calling out John Hickenlooper right now? Is that <laughs> look? I. I, I love chickens, all right? I love all animals on the farm. I would never <laughs> attack, uh, you know, a fellow farm creature. <laughs> well, Senator Sanders, once again, sir, it's been just a delight to have you on the show. Um, we wish you the best of luck out there on the campaign trail. Thank you. And look, I just want to say one thing. All right, you know, there's been a lot of talk about socialism in the media because of this new show, Chernobyl. Now, as you know... Jane and I actually went to the Soviet Union in the 1980s. That's right, and we yeah. Did, and, and we did not go to support the authoritarian regime there. In fact, we went there because the Soviet Union had become a degenerated worker state, and we went to commit sabotage on behalf of the Fourth International and the immortal wisdom of Trotsky. <laughs> and I'm here today to say, I did it. I did Chernobyl. I blew up the revisionist reactor, and I do it again. Long live the permanent revolution. <laughs> Bolshevik Bernie, he's coming back! <laughs> well, thanks again, Senator. It was so nice to talk to you. Bum, 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 Just some, some easy listening. He, uh, he, he's just such a mellow he guy, is. you know? Uh, he, he calms and soothes me every time yeah, we talk to him. Yeah, he only wagged his finger at us on the video a couple of times that time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever for a little bit earlier recording session by my co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, so you just decided you were just going to walk out of your place of employment today. <laughs> well, you know, uh, thankfully I have this like whole uh, moving houses thing. So, you know, it's really cool that I could just be like, oh, house stuff. I got house <laughs> stuff and I just I can't be here right now. And then everyone goes like, oh, OK, yeah, house stuff. That's a real serious uh, business transaction. So we don't want to stand in your way. Yeah. So not just committing wage theft, but also lying to your employer. Mm -hmm. uh, I 100 percent. I never listen. 100 percent support this. <laughs> Joining us on this episode, a special guest for you from, you're in New York City, right? Yep, yeah. New York City, we have, you may have seen him on the news getting yelled at by Megan McCain, Ellie Valley. Ellie, thank you so much for being on Liquid Flannel with us. Thanks, thanks for having me, I appreciate it. You were here. saying that uh, that you, you were worried that we were going to talk about Great Plains politics the entire show. Yeah. yeah so typical New Yorker was like, oh, shit, other states. I got to yeah. <laughs> I gotta catch up really quick. Yeah, I, I was Googling um, Great Plains literally last night as preparations for the What's show. What's going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, what did you find out? I found out on Wikipedia it's like this big strip in the, not, not really the middle of the country, sort of towards the left, I'd say. And it goes mm -hmm. into Canada, too. And... I was it was kind of late and I didn't really do further research. <laughs> yeah, I actually got into a big argument the other night about like which states are Midwest and which states are Great Plains and I kept saying Always. it's not the Great ongoing Plains struggle. Are, yeah, I mean Great Plains isn't a group of states. It's like a a former giant bioregion. So mm. it's lots of them, mm. uh, you know, 
ecology doesn't care about your borders. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always people who are like, Ohio, Pennsylvania, you know, the Great Plains. And I'm like, <laughs> mm, I don't know. I'm not so sure about mm-hmm. that. But we'll give it to them. You know, <laughs> the more the merrier. You know, it's like everything that's literally not like 10 miles from the coast. It's like those maps where it's like the border zone is like 100 miles from like every coastline. <laughs> everything that's not in that line is the Great Plains, I think, to me. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we got to start off with a... a Something that affects people in the Great Plains, but affects everybody. Um, we just heard, let's see, we're recording this on the 13th of June. We just heard about an hour ago that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is stepping down from her position as the White House press secretary. What a what a loss of the, the voice of the Midwest, <laughs> right. really. Wait, where is she from? Uh, she's from Arkansas. I don't know, Arkansas? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah the well, whole, of course, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mike Huckabee. Whole Huckabee sorry. family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was trying to, I don't even know, Arkansas, is that in the Great Plains? Uh, sure, okay. why not? Okay. Yeah, parts of it, Unless, sure. Yeah, maybe we're going to, maybe we're going to kick it out. I don't know. We'll see how it goes <laughs> when Sarah Huckabee Sanders moves, moves back and, uh, you know, starts her own, like, restaurant that won't kick out any, uh, any alt-right activists. Right. <laughs> well, well, apparently, apparently Trump wants her to run for governor. Of Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know, that may actually work, because uh, Huckabee was a pretty well-beloved uh, governor of Arkansas. I think Chelsea Clinton might have something to say about that, a matchup <laughs> for the ages. That would be nice. Yeah, how do, how do all of these just horrible, ghoulish political families end up coming out of Arkansas? Mm. It's, a, it's a tough place. But yeah, I don't know, I, I guess she just, what was the last straw? Like, what, I, I don't, I've struggled to understand why now. What's happening? Yeah, I only saw the headlines. Um, have they actually gone deeper, or are they only given the, the Trump tweet version? Uh, I think that's all that's out so far. And, uh, you know, we might have more information if I, – I didn't realize this, but she hasn't given a press conference since March. The daily press conference, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, been, so it's like, been a while. So if we, if we had anybody in the White House who was actually giving out any kind of information, maybe we would know more about this story, but – I mean, well, Trump does his own little uh, press bits um, on the lawn, so maybe he'll give some information tomorrow. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the best we can hope for. I mean, it's crazy. So the other guy that used to do it was like the economics advisor guy who was like just was smiling all the time, even though he was talking about the most horrible things. And then Sarah Sanders and now Kelly Ann's getting in trouble for like breaking the Hatch Act. Oh, yeah, or that's right. So... It's a it's a real ghost town over there. I don't know who's going to be stepping up to the plate to not give a press conference uh, every every day. Yeah, Kellyanne Conway. That's an interesting one because uh, I think she even interview one time where she was like, like the Hatch Act doesn't apply to me. Like, show me what the jail sentence is, and now you've got you know like uh, like overseers of the executive branch going like, actually, this come with the jail sentence if she doesn't knock it off. Uh, but wait, can Trump? Um exonerate her somehow or shield her from um charges oh, oh I'm, yeah. I, I, okay, okay. I'm sure he'll yeah. find a way yeah absolutely yeah i mean is anyone really held accountable ever i mean even like michael flynn now is is being like i'm innocent I, I'm, <laughs> I'm flipping the script <laughs> so yeah uh, it'll be amazing if anybody ever is held accountable but i'm not holding my breath i guess mm. Well, what else happened this week, you guys? I mean, it's it almost feels like the news kind of slowed down there for a couple of days, which has been nice. Um, but it also means that yeah. everybody on Twitter is just fighting with each other instead of kind of dunking <laughs> on itself. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
Well, I think the biggest the biggest news is uh, the war with Iran. You know, the march. The uh, march right, continues, yeah. man. Yeah, Mike Gravel, whose teens still won't respond timely to DMs, even when they like suggest you know, a time. The teens, they're unreliable. <laughs> Do your homework. Have you been trying to teens? You've been trying to get them on the show. Uh, they've been trying to get on the show, and every time we think mm-hmm. we have it set up, I say, "Okay, we're confirmed." And then we just never hear back from them. Mm, it's called ghosting. That's what the teens do <laughs> yeah. nowadays. We've been, yeah, yeah. We've been Gravel <laughs> ghosted. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess I don't know how to feel about this war with Iran because, you know, they were talking about it a couple well, weeks folks, ago. It's, it's bad. I mean, the idea and, of going to war with well, Iran that's is, true, is but, bad. You know, is it serious? Because it seems like they keep trying to do it and it, it never really goes anywhere. Oh, John Bolton wants it trying. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to say because they, you know, the, the people on his actual, uh, you know, in his cabinet and staff, Pompeo and Bolton, seem very much geared towards it, right? But um, when push comes to shove, I don't know if Trump would actually uh, go forward. But I mean, it's such a fluid situation. Yeah, I mean, Pompeo is another one of these guys who, like, you know, he never saw an opportunity for intervening in another country that he didn't like. Uh, there was a there was some article recently about some. Uh, some interview, some conference he was at with, uh, like, APAC, or it, it wasn't APAC, but it was another one of the big, like, Israel lobbying uh, organizations, right. uh, where they were talking about Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, and Pompeo suggested pretty strongly that uh, if they decided to make Jeremy Corbyn prime minister in all of this Brexit upset, that the, the United States would have to intervene in that also, yeah, uh, I saw that headline. I haven't read that piece yet. I was actually flabbergasted by that. It was really hard to fathom. Um, and, and his reasons were, were uh, Corbyn's ostensible anti-Semitism. Right. From what I understood. From the yeah, I yeah. think that's right. And I mean, that's that's your beat. I mean, what's what's your take on Corbyn's supposed anti-Semitism? Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, my beat is uh, more American. And I, I haven't. No, no, <laughs> and I, I'm not going to, you know, every time you're like, oh, you're questioning about this, I'll be like, well, actually, it's more Northeastern America. Uh, no, um, you know, I, I don't really know. Um, I, I haven't followed the uh, the internal labor labor squabbles. Uh, oh, God, as who can't? Like, people in the others. UK can, can't keep track of this shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I generally defer to Judas, the, um, you know, the sort of anarchic um, socialist collective of Jews who are very, um, you know, uh, free-spirited, uh, free-minded, and against the uh, the... Jewish communal um, structures um, in England and um, and like the chief rabbi's pronouncements and uh, they they had Corbyn at their seder a couple of years ago or maybe even last year and they're uh, pretty pro Corbyn I, I know there are some people that whose views I um, respect who are um, you know they, they they feel that sometimes Corbyn um, you know, even though he's been smeared and it's just been disgusting sometimes you know he makes uh, some unforced errors in this department let's say. Uh, but I mean, I, I haven't investigated like thoroughly, partly because, um, you know, it's just uh, no offense to my British um, compatriots, but uh, it's really hard to muster interest in the UK. Yeah, it's it's sorry. The, the sorry. whole thing has been a uh, a wee spot of bother, as I think they would put it. Um, it's very hard to keep track <laughs> of all of it. But uh, your your point about unforced errors, I think that that does cross the pond, right? Because we see a, a similar pattern with a lot of uh, politicians in the United States who get smeared as being anti-Semitic because they uh, inexpertly 
make a point about, say, you know, ongoing military support for the state of Israel or Israeli lobbying uh, in Congress. And then that becomes, you know, the the new talking point becomes this person is an anti-Semite. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think uh, Corbyn's unforced errors might be a little bit more uh, error, <laughs> error-ish okay. than, uh, for instance, Ilhan Omar's or Tlaib's or even AOC's here in America. Um, you know, I, I, I think... Uh, Cor- I think Corbyn's given his opponents uh, and, and the smearmongers more ammunition, even if so much of it is spurious. Um, whereas here, they, the smearmongers have to uh, take larger leaps, you know? They have to say that when uh, Ilan Omar is talking about, you know, APAC's influence, that she's singling out Jew- Jewish money, for instance, when she's using a phrase that uh, was, you know, popularized uh, 20 years ago. So um, I, I think the leaps are, are much uh, larger here at the side of it. But that doesn't that doesn't slow them down, does it? I mean, you found yourself uh, embroiled in some of these controversies yourself just by kind of coming back at some of the the spurious allegations, as you say, of of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people not just me, but I mean, like you defend Ilhan Omar uh, against what are essentially bigoted attacks against her and you'll you'll be smeared as an anti-Semite yourself. I mean, it's it's really uh, it's disgusting what's been happening. Um, I, I, de- I defended Ilhan Omar against somebody who uh, who's like a contributor to various places, and and then she starts this narrative that I'm a Bernie bro uh, harassment insider um, for nothing that I did at all, and now she's like writing articles about it, and um, it's like uh, the 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 um, there's no limit to the lies and the smears, essentially, unfortunately, and um, you know obviously someone like Ilhan Omar, she's dealing with death threats, and um, you know serious uh attacks on all aspects of uh, everything she's trying to do so nothing that i've experienced compares to that but uh it's just it's just uh it's just been really ugly and toxic the past couple months actually now the the sad fact is that if you're a bernie sanders supporter then you definitely are a bro um and you're a harasser also you're white yeah. um sorry yeah yeah exactly uh i, I mean i I think the recent one when they were referring to me as Bernie bro thing, I mean, it, it wasn't even based on anything involving um, Democratic, uh, you know, primaries or I mean, I, you know, I mean, sure, I've said things in favor of Bernie in the past, but it's like they're, it's just like they'll, they'll use whatever, whatever has worked in the past. They will use again if it has a sort of connotation. Right. The yeah. The, the, like Bernie Sanders supporters are their bugaboo. So if they can make you out to be one, then you're bad by default. Yeah, 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 and it plays into the trope. Shouldn't use the term trope, but you know, it plays into the um, sort of um, assumptions about you know toxic masculinity online. Which, and of course, there is much truth to that. But it, if it's just used arbitrarily um, to uh, stifle criticism of bigoted attacks against uh, the first Muslim uh, woman of color member of Congress, uh, it's just. It's, it's really it's gaslighting. You know? Yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, and, and terribly surprising that when you look at the people who are making these attacks, you know, and flip through their timeline a little bit, you know, they're also, you know, they're big Ben Shapiro fans. Um, they're they're mm-hmm. definitely um, they're definitely hanging out with a bunch of people who have uh, like anime girls as avatars or mm-hmm. Pepe the Frog or, you know, you, you just know that this is all coming from a, a place of good faith 
engagement and criticism. Yeah, yeah. Not just that. In terms of this one, I don't even want to give more oxygen to it. But I will say that the person who has been calling me a Bernie bro uh, has been also been calling me uh, indistinguishable from Der Sturmer and Nazi uh, propaganda Yikes. for uh, for for I, I don't know how long. I, I try not to um, pay too much attention to this, but like when a newspaper quotes her, then I like have to. And so and then call, saying that I am a uh, uh, an insider is is just like you know just pure projection it's like you know but this is this is the the current um sort of a uh, climate we're in under trump where you know your most rancid uh personality disorders you accuse your opponents of it well i've really admired the way that you uh handle yourself online because it seems like when these things uh kind of boil over again um you were able to channel that into your artwork uh in a way that i think is I don't know, a lot more, uh, well, certainly more creative, but also probably more healthy and productive than what a lot of people do. Um, I've never seen you melt down, uh, you, you know, like we're out of May now, but meltdowns continue. (laughs) Wait, I mean, uh, are you referring to like, um, my parrying the attacks via tweets or like turning into a comic? Um, yeah, both, both actually. Okay. Okay. And when you say meltdown, you mean like Michael Tracy type shit of just like, (laughs) um, no, I mean, seriously, like uh, uh, just like going after trolls and like replying to all of them and just insulting them. That kind yeah, of thing. exactly. Because honestly, uh, I am not totally immune to that. And I'm glad that that you think I don't do that, because sometimes the trolls do kind of piss me off. And I and I do engage sometimes. And uh, it's probably not a good idea, you know. Um, so but I'm glad that uh, overall I have, um, <laughs> you know, been somewhat successful. Well, sure, Definitely I mean- not. Who among us isn't on Twitter at one thirty in the morning after like one too many beers or something going like, oh, Mm -hmm. this person's just really under my skin. I'm going to have to get the last word on it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Yeah, I know what you mean, though, because melting down means not just doing it here and there, but just like, you know, constant, you know, like attacking uh, of the trolls and, um, you know, overly defensive posture and shit. I guess, I mean, I I shouldn't say this because it's just going to give ammunition to the shitheads, but I mean, the... uh, the the accusations of anti-Semitism just uh, you know I, it used to bother me less. It's bothering me more now. I think maybe because of the explosion of white supremacism and and uh, racist violence in America, and it just becomes uh, it just it's just so much more unjust when we have actual anti-Semitism out there. Maybe that's why you know um, it's it's such an abuse it's such an abuse of the actual term and the concept of anti-Semitism. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it reminds me of like they had this big YouTube purge where YouTube said like, hey, we're going to, you know, demonetize all these like, you know, all right racist channels and stuff. But then they tied that together with, you know, other channels that were reporting and, you know, exposing the hate and racism. And they're saying, well, that's the same, right? If you're putting a Nazi on your channel and then saying this guy's a Nazi and here's why and here's how to argue against it. They're saying, well, hey, you know, that's equivalent to someone just blatantly, you know, spreading Nazi propaganda. And there's an important distinction there. But most people, I guess, are not willing to really pay attention enough to make that distinction. And I think that type of attack lands back on you because you kind of use some of the same imagery to kind of turn the tables on them. But then they just flip it around and say, well, hey, this guy's doing the same thing we're doing. It's like, well, not not exactly. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's hard because it's a case by case basis, and and um, you know, I mean, like overly broad generalizations are hard to address because um, uh, you know, like what might be true for one piece might not be true for another one. But wait, I do want to know, like, when you're talking about um, YouTube, do you mean algorithmically, or they are actually that was their rationale, their philosophy? Yeah, actually, as to why they actually, were- Ellie, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I want to dig into that issue a little bit more, but we're at the end of this segment. So let's take a real quick break. And I want to dig more into some of the, some of the developments online and developments in the the conversation about online uh, when we come back. Okay. (laughs) Freedom of speech, motherfucker. Okay. (laughs) Something for the kids. Step in the club smoothly with the L in my hand. Bitches know that I'm a freak like the elephant man. Intelligent plans, fuck a record deal. I want development land with my benevolent clan. And that's the reason that I only trust my fam. 40,000 records sold, 400 grand. Fuck a middleman, I won't pay anyone else. I'll bootleg it and sell it to the streets myself. I'd rather be that than signed and stuck on a shelf. And because of this, executives try to diss me. Racism frozen in time like Walt Disney. And now they say they want to get me signed to the majors. If I switch up my politics and change my behavior Trying to tell me what the rhyme about Over the beat Bitch niggas that never spent the day in the street But I repeat that Nobody can hold my reins I put the truth on tracks Niggas simple and plain So we were talking before the break About a thing that uh, we, we covered it a little bit last week too About this um, sort of crackdown Kind of the ongoing crackdown Or attempted crackdown On uh, various social media sites Including uh, YouTube against hate speech and uh ellie you invoked uh kind of the magic word in this discussion which is algorithms yeah that's a pretty interesting topic here because if you're leaving your enforcement up to just algorithms i mean algorithms have no sense of satire or irony or anything like that i mean i I think that if you could design an algorithm that had a sense of irony you would functionally have, you know, like a fully formed artificial intelligence at that point. Yeah, good point. Well, and I don't think YouTube has said one way or the other, or a lot of these other places, they don't necessarily say, do we do it algorithmically or do we do it through some sort of manual process? I mean, the scale of some of these social media companies, I mean, it it almost has to be some sort of systematic, you know, algorithmic process or else how else could you really do it when there's thousands of hours of video being uploaded to youtube like every second of the day right yeah a lot of these times they just say like hey well it's not us doing it it's just the algorithm so you know the algorithm just scans for your video and if your video has certain words in it it just gets scrubbed you know even though there's a difference between you know using racial slurs because you're a racist and like talking about how racists use racial slurs and exposing that language there's a huge difference there, but an algorithm can't see that. It's just like, hey, you use the word goodbye. Right. You saw the same thing uh, a couple of years back when YouTube started really cracking down on uh, sexual content on their platform. And all of a sudden you had a bunch of like LGBT people getting their uh, videos completely removed because they were talking about things like instructional videos on how to come out to your parents in a in a healthy way. All of a sudden, they're getting caught up in that in that same sweep, you know, and, and one of the other options, of course, is the way Twitter seems to do it, which is if you've got a fan base that's big enough, 
all of your fans go and report the thing that you don't like, and then, you know, it just gets scraped automatically. You know, you see people getting suspended. A, a good friend of mine and a, a guy whose music you've heard on the show a couple of times uh, got got a 24-hour timeout on Twitter the other day because he said, uh, I believe the, the entire tweet was, cram it, honky. <laughs> wow. Too extreme for the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, which led to everybody using honky, but like with the O asterisked out, you know. <laughs> wow. Cracker with the A out. You haven't got caught in any of these like these social media bans or anything. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you haven't caught any flack. No, I have. A lot of my um, I post stuff to Facebook just, you know, when I do a new comic and a lot of those were removed seemingly arbitrarily. I don't know if it was because, you know, there are images of uh horrors of American and uh, European history in my comics, or if it was because of mass reporting by the bad faith assholes who are pretending that I'm a Nazi. You know, it could be either. Facebook doesn't give, or they, I mean, they, they, they said uh, it, you know, violated our prohibition on, you know, this kind of content, but they didn't say whether it was algorithmic or detecting a clan hood or if uh, the assholes had mass reported it. I just don't know. Right. And it also happened on Instagram, but those got reinstated. I think after some complaint, the Facebook, they weren't reinstated. And just like Facebook is such a disgusting sewer that it's hard for me to even you know, <laughs> want to clean it up. At least Instagram, I feel like has it because I'm bad at updating my website, but at least Instagram, it can be like more of a, uh, a record of my work. So I like it to be there, even just for my own personal use so I can look at my recent work more easily than like looking for it on my computer. Sure. Uh, so, but uh, Facebook, it's like, it's such, it's such sewage on Facebook that, uh, don't really have much of a desire to or a reason to seems unlikely to me that you have a huge fan base on facebook among the like racist boomer uncle set <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no seriously i mean i don't have like a you know public page fan page i just have like my own page which and i post my things publicly so now i get like a lot of just total assholes commenting on my comics and it's one of the other reasons just like just no fun well i could definitely see some sort of social media algorithm being set up to just say hey if there's a swastika in your image just it's just gone and you know i know that you use that imagery in your comics so i don't i thought i would love to hear your perspective on would it be okay to ban that is that going too far like where do you fall on you know what people's preferences are there yeah, it just happened on something uh, just the other day. Someone, an author of a new book about the alt-right in America, it has a bunch of, I think, clan hoods in place of the stars on the um, American flag, right? And that was uh, banned. I forget if it was banned uh, suspension on Twitter or if the image was banned somewhere. I think it was Twitter, though. And uh, But I, I just like saw it in passing. I haven't. I got to find it somewhere again. But it, it, it reminded me of stuff that's happened to me as well. Yeah, I mean, I... I do not want to have to stop using the images of atrocity to describe it through analogies or whatnot, what's happening in America now. And so there needs to be some kind of way that, you know, I mean, just from my own artistic self-interest that I don't get cut off in that, in that net, obviously um, actual Nazis spreading their hate, you know, I, I that, that should not be allowed. Uh, but I, I don't know how an algorithm can, um, as you said, 
you know, it would be AI if it had enough intelligence to be able to suss out the difference. Well, and it's such a it's such a joke, too, because the moment you make, you know, a hard and fast rule on a particular say symbol like the swastika, say white supremacists, these these bigots, the, the actual kind of creeping fashion America, they are idiots in a lot of ways, but they're not idiots when it comes to gaming the system. Right. Um, There's a subreddit that has sprung up recently, and I I won't um, validate them by even naming what it is, but it's basically just a hub for a bunch of racists who just don't use racist terms. They all talk in code. Mm. It's it's a lot like how they tried to co-opt the the okay like hand symbol to mean. Right. Or the triple parentheses to refer to Jews before it became cliche. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you do make one of these hard and fast rules, they'll move on. They'll go on to the next mimetic thing that means exactly the same thing as they, they want to talk about. And all that leaves behind is people who want to do history documentation about the Third Reich or something like that. And you're saying that, that would be the only thing that's not censored? Uh, or, or yeah, that the, the, the only thing that ends up getting picked up by such an algorithm at that point oh, I see. is right. – innocuous content, you know, educational content or some kind of commentary on that sort of content because the actual people spreading hate have just moved on to the next symbol that's that's easy for them to, to use and to be able to skirt the rules in that way. Totally. I, but then, you know, when it comes to like YouTube, though, and it's just like some dipshit standing in front of wallpaper uh, talking about race realism or whatnot race science then it's more difficult because i mean i don't know if they have some kind of algorithmic um bot farm that can pick out you know language of um you know because it's not an image of a swastika which is pretty easy algorithmically defined but you you can't i mean at least that's my knowledge you can't like scrape all audio and uh see who's saying certain things i mean that just it just it doesn't seem to be doable right so i don't i don't really know what the answer is yeah, it's, it's tough. And I think the problem is that all these companies are looking for like an easy win. So if they can go out to their shareholders or whatever and say, hey, like we banned everything that has a swastika in it, like everyone can just on the surface say like, oh, great job. You, you've solved it. You know, you've, you've, you've fixed the problem. We're disrupting the racism industry. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's much more complicated to actually like prevent your platform from being used to radicalize white nationalists. Like right. it's not as easy as banning the swastika. That, that does not not actually solving any problem. Yeah, they're they're also though they're not just looking for an easy win. They're looking to maintain their um, their lucrative edge basically, and so they they don't, they don't want to outlaw um, the most offensive and toxic uh, voices because those bring in lots of revenue. So sure. No, for sure. I, when they see, when you see people like uh, you know Jordan Peterson, you know, saying like, "I'm going to start my own social media site with Nazis and racists." Yeah, <laughs> but. You know, YouTube looks at that and says, like, oh, look at all that lost revenue. Like, what are we yeah. going to do here? Like, this is a big problem for our corporation. Like, ugh, it, the, the motives are, are so twisted and backwards. It's hard to even know, like, where to begin. Because at the one time, I do want Nazis to be banned from YouTube. But then if they just go start their own Nazi YouTube where, you know, no one is paying attention to them anymore because it's not coming up on YouTube all the time. They're over in their own little, you know, walled garden. It's harder to, I guess, keep an eye on them or whatever. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. True. And then that's what Gab is. So. I mean, Gab, there's another one. That Telegraph, that's new one that Milo's on. Okay. Telegraph. Yeah. Have you seen that? I mean, it's really putrid. 
Yeah, I mean, all of these ones end up being self-segregated and people who aren't actively looking for that kind of content then don't see the content. So, in a sense, that's that's a kind of a nod toward harm reduction, right? Because at least then your white supremacist content isn't coming up, in, you know, in some kid's feed who just wanted to look at, like, Elder Scrolls videos or something like that. Yes, I agree, actually. Because, I mean, they currently can go to Stormfront message boards and the like. Um, you know, that that's not, like, banned on the internet. And so removing it from mainstream like the mcdonald's of the public square of the internet is not a bad idea you know and i mean yeah it sucks that they're gonna be in like you know darkened corners of the internet in their own cells but the point of of not um radicalizing innocent kids looking for cartoons is uh i mean like you know animated cartoons is is legitimate yeah Maybe I'm out of touch, but like, I think it also works the other way too, because, you know, if you have people who are going onto platforms and saying like, hey, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, men's rights and gaming and they're not like a full Nazi yet, isn't it better that they're on a platform with a variety of ideas rather than people saying, oh, well, the platform for you, it's not YouTube where there's all kinds of stuff. It's Gab or whatever. Like, I almost feel like we're driving people to these platforms where, you know, on YouTube, you might get radicalized, but on Gab, you're definitely getting radicalized. Like, there's no if about it. Right, I know, but but we're talking, it's, it's different between the content creators and the consumers. And so if we're talking about a creator that is MRA and Gamergate and all that shit. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, they're, they're, they're already, like, past that line, I think. But I know it, it is a fine line and it's a balance to find. You're right. Although, Brendan, I, I wonder if you would agree with me uh, that that kind of radicalization for most people is a, it's a progressive sort of thing. That if you were to go from... Just like your ordinary YouTube feed where you might hear like an MRA talking point and somebody says, oh, actually, you should be you should go over to Gab. And then you're just surrounded by some of the most vile bigots, you know, on the Internet. Like, does that not cause a, a bit of a recoil reaction? Like, oh, God, these aren't the people that I was I was planning on hanging out with. You know, that's that it seems to me like it's more of a. I don't know, like a frog in boiling water sort of thing where it just for most people, the extremism, uh, the bigotry kind of gets turned up just a degree at a time. Um, so if you have a place that really is just like the horrible boiling water of outright white supremacy, um, that's going to be less attractive to people who are who are farther back on that on that spectrum. Do you disagree with that? I hope that's true. I mean, I guess I, I it's something that I certainly worry about a lot, especially when you see so much of the alt-right glomming onto these things that used to be, you know, like huge cultural touchstones. Like we were talking about Star Wars before, right? Now, if I go onto YouTube and I start searching for Star Wars, which is very common to do for children sure. of all ages, you know, it starts glomming on like men's rights activism, anti-feminism, and then also, you know, pure actual racism and white nationalism. It's like all getting lumped under like, I just liked Star Wars and video games, you know? And so right. I hope that there is a way to make it so that, you know, people who are searching for very, you know, normal you know, culturally relevant things aren't getting pushed into these darker corners of the web. And I just, I, I hope there's a way that that can be accomplished, but the more you watch and the more it, nothing 
<laughs> positive seems to be changing, it could be yeah. very frustrating to continue to watch this happen. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested in how this uh, Jordan B. Peterson experiment turns out. Uh, what's it? It's called Think Spot, I think, and. He was on Joe Rogan talking about how, you know, basically it sounds like it's going to be just like Reddit without any kind of moderation whatsoever. And it's like, A, why don't you just go and look at some of the unmoderated subreddits to see how that works out? But B, I mean, he he is always out there saying my listeners, my readers, they're they're ordinary people who are just feeling kind of disenfranchised by the system. And it's going to be interesting to me to see how he responds when his platform gets basically completely taken over by outright white nationalists. Um, You know, these are the people who are not everybody who is attracted to Jordan Peterson's work is a white nationalist, but you know, it's like, he's not a white nationalist, but like, you know, one of the number ones among white nationalists, uh, because, because of what he likes to talk about with, you know, hierarchy being natural and good and how we should preserve, you know, traditional ways of living. I mean, if he's going out there, if his pitch for his social media network is like, we will only remove users if ordered to by like a federal court, like, I think he has to know what he's getting himself into. Like, is it going to be a surprise to him that a bunch of Nazis glom onto his platform? Like, it almost seems like that's his hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody somebody made the joke to me on Twitter on a thread that I did on this last night. It's like, do you want child porn? Because that's how you get child porn. Oh, well, oh yeah, that's right. I, th- I saw people were like some joke about how uh, all the conversation is going to be about like uh, age of consent laws in various states. I think it's going to be a real awakening for him one way or the other as to who his fan base actually is. Well, I mean, I hope in the sense that I hope that he kind of opens his eyes and realizes this is the kind of people my work attracts. But on the other hand, if he looks at it and goes, oh, this is the kind of people my work attracts. Lean you know, in. this is a market. We'll go yeah. full fash. But wait, also, isn't it like yeah. pay, pay to comment kind of thing, though? It looks like it's going to be like a subscription model sort of thing. Okay. So, so it'll be like, what? what's the the big old one where the goons came from? Something awful forums, okay. you know, where like you have to pay a subscription. Oh, Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know how that'll affect the potential uh, Nazi uh, contributorship. Well, presumably it'll still be free to view. And uh, if there's one thing about internet white supremacist shut-ins, like they don't mind shelling out 15 bucks a month so that they can be able to spread their ideology. Also something about how he's going to be suppressing certain um, comments that don't get enough like likes or some shit. Do you see that? <laughs> right. Yeah. So so that's where I was saying it's basically going to be Reddit. It sounds like there will be a voting system and anything that is below like a 50 50 split in popularity, you know, up votes versus down votes just gets hidden. Yeah. So you can like click through. It's exactly the way Reddit works. It'll be somebody being like, I'm not sure Jordan B. Peterson actually knows what he's talking about here. And it's like very, very, very. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so then you've got this thing that is, you know, actively suppressing any kind of anything that goes against the majority opinion, uh, which, depending on what the majority opinion is, can be uh, pretty harmful. It, it creates a pretty harmful echo chamber at that point. Yeah, yeah, which is the exact opposite of what he professes to uh, stand for. All of this is obviously going to be an ongoing discussion. We've discussed it on the show a number of times. And, uh, Ellie, we really appreciate your perspective as somebody who is very much in the thick of these uh, discussions and often kind of targeted by uh, some of the bad actors we're talking about. So thank you for thank you for your thoughts and your candor. Thank you. I hope I was uh, at 
all illuminative on the topic. I don't know. That that takes us to a, a pretty dark place. Um, so as we always do on the show, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we will try to salvage the show by bringing you out on a high note. Okay. If they won't let you in the club, just set up your own. That's the philosophy behind a brand new anti-censorship social media platform that's hitting the web this summer. ThinkSpot will be an intellectual playground for censorship-free discourse. That's according to its founder, controversial academic and best-selling author, Jordan Peterson. The Canadian professor is a divisive figure, hated by the left and deified by the right. Earlier this year, he was snubbed by the most intellectual of British institutions, Cambridge University. He was supposed to have a visiting fellowship there this autumn, but that offer was rescinded after a backlash from staff and students. This was Jordan Peterson's response to the decision at the time. What do you think it says about free speech in Britain that uh, Cambridge University made an announcement this week saying they weren't going to invite you to speak? I think it says more about the nature of the universities in general than about free speech in general. I mean, I don't feel that my disinvitation has compromised my free speech ability because I have so many platforms on which I can discuss my ideas. According to Peterson's latest video, ThinkSpot will be a subscription service where controversial creators will be able to monetize their free speech. Once you're on our platform, we won't take you down unless we're ordered to by a U.S. court of law. That's mm. basically the idea. My high note this week, it was my birthday on Tuesday. That's right. Happy birthday, bro. Happy birthday. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and I did go see the Detective Pikachu movie, which was, uh, I guess it was a high note. It was it was a really interesting movie. Uh, I would love to make someone who doesn't know anything about Pokemon watch that movie because I think it would just be one of the craziest things that they had ever seen. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I went with my mom and she does not know much about Pokemon at all, and she really enjoyed it, too. What was her takeaway? Oh, she, she liked it a lot. She thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, to somebody who doesn't know Pokemon, it's just kind of a wacky, zany world full of all of these animals, you know? So, yeah, I, I've been loving that. And I, one of the things that's cool about my birthday is that every year uh, around this kind of June, early June time frame is when E3, the, the big video game expo, happens, and so I love, you know, taking some time and watching all that that new video game E3 coverage around my birthday. And I was noticing an amazing trend in video games this year where like socialism is is in you guys. Yes. In, it is in video games. There is an amazing game uh called uh Watch Dogs Legion. Uh so this is a a game where it takes place in a post-Brexit United Kingdom. Um, And the, the plot of the game is that there's no main character, but you switch between characters and your goal is to like recruit people at a street level to like become a socialist uprising. And you can like, it's really weird because you could like hack people's phones and stuff. And then like you hack their phone and you look like, Oh man, this guy has like a lot of medical debt. And so then you're like, well, 
buddy like have i got the deal for you like <laughs> i'm gonna hack your medical debt and erase it and what you're gonna do is you're gonna like join the, the uprising uh and so they showed this video where you're like playing as like old ladies and you know different you know stuff like that and like infiltrating uh you know like uh, private military contracting organizations by like recruiting the frontline members by helping them uh it it was an amazing uh thing so there was lots of games there was a game where you know it was talking about like you know leading a space revolution like you know leading a communist uprising is very in right now (laughs) there's the uh the wolfenstein games too which are just like total like nazi killing uh like blood sport uh, (laughs) like comedy um so that was a huge game this year too um, there's just so many of them that it was kind of surprising to me because, um, I guess you don't see that a lot. And like, you, you would used to see that in like movies and stuff, but I feel like you don't even get that so much in, in like big budget movies so much anymore, yeah. but it's still, it's still there in game. So I thought that was pretty amazing. And it was amazing to, to kind of see that on like the, you know, these huge corporations, giant stages where they're talking about like, you know, the creeping fascism, you know, is, is rising and we, we need to counter right. it. By playing video games. Uh, it's really interesting, oh. especially given their audience, you know, because you would think that their audience would be more of the fans of the the type of uh, op-eds that are like, why is socialism so popular amongst the youngs these days, you know? Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there who aren't quite happy with the direction <laughs> of some of those games. Um, but, you know, I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it's happening. I mean, I'm glad they're not leaning into it, which they you know, they certainly could do. And I'm sure some people are. But um, I don't know. It was it was cool to see. And it was cool to see that at least some people are, are still pushing back on uh, on the popular perception of like, hey, you know, alt-right gamer rights or whatever. Sure. Mm. So that was yeah, cool. that's great. Well, on the topic of uh, kind of pushing back against uh, like the fascist menace, my high note this week was that uh, our old friend uh, on the program, Qasem Rashid, uh, is yeah. running for state senate out in Virginia and uh, won his primary decisively the other night. So excellent! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very excited about that. We might have to try to get Qasem back on the show. And talk about what it's like being on the campaign trail and um, what it's like running as a, you know, an outspoken Muslim in a fairly, you know, a a state that tends to be fairly conservative. But um, I was really excited to see, uh, you know, I'm on his email list because of his his old podcast kind of just turned into his campaign uh, email list. And um, yeah, really excited for him. So go Cossum. It's awesome. He's a just an incredible guy. And I'm sure that he will be an excellent delegate. Uh, for the Commonwealth. Um, so, yeah, and if, if we have any listeners out in Virginia uh, who want to let us know on Twitter, uh, you know, what, what it looks like on the ground out there, would be very happy to hear that, too. Uh, is it my turn? Because um, I... Uh, Pressure's on! Yeah, I've been... At, I, sorry for not contributing to the um, video games and socialism um, <laughs> discussion. I was trying to rack my brain for something positive in the past week. It can be a um, challenge, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it can be a challenge, uh, especially on the spot, on a live taping. 
Uh, well, you know, and web- especially, oh. you know, it, you're you're not alone, you know, because we, we get a lot of folks on the show uh, who are kind of just in the trenches all the time and some of the worst of the news, some of the worst of online all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if if uh, if nothing spring immediately to mind, uh, you're you're in good company. Oh, good. Then I don't feel so shitty. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I can update you. I can DM you if I think of something afterwards. But um, all I have right now is, um, you know, it's, it hasn't been the best week. So uh, um, I it's hard to uh, – sorry. I'm not even talking towards the, uh, the mic. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, – yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have much to report uh, in terms of positivity at the moment. Not that I'm not not a positive guy. Well, that's all right. Um, you got anything good planned for the weekend? Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, 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 I, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm I'm meeting I'm meeting some friends actually after I do this, and um, I mean this evening, this weekend, uh, I'll just check. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, honestly, I'm going to see my mom and my sister in uh, on Sunday through Monday. I think I need to check the schedule, but nice. Um, so that'll be towards the end, but um. Yeah, I, I've been really uh, working um, like nonstop on this script for an essay comic. That's been really, uh, um, it's been really taxing uh, mentally and and um, emotionally, and uh, it just it ha- so the week has been sort of um, informed by that. So it's been hard to uh, just relax this week, you know. Yeah, can you tease that for us a little bit? Well, it's 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 sort of like going through a lot of the. Um, well, it's basically about the Stanford stuff. It's going through Stanford. And, um, uh, you know, Stanford was not, I mean, I, I love the experience of Stanford in terms of giving the presentation and all that, but the, the, the smears and the lies and, and the, um, the attacks were, were really uh, ugly. And having to go through it again um, to relive it, because, you know, I need, in order to write the comic um, effectively, I need to actually inhabit the emotions that I had at the time. And like, you know, if I, if I do a Twitter search for, you know, unfortunately, apparently you can't search for your reach for retweets. So you only can search for the stuff that you've tweeted. Right. Um, unless I'm misunderstanding that, which by the way sucks. But, um, but what I'm just trying to like, you know, going through like, you know, May six through eighth or something, uh, on my Twitter feed. And just like, I was like, really, you know, I was like, um, in the midst of it and, and, um, you know, pairing all this, uh, this, this bullshit thrown my way, um, I, I sort of need to, to, um, to inhabit that in order to, um, in order to write this effectively without just being, um, perfunctory. And, you know, my, I, I, so basically there's a lot of, you know, emotions attached to that. And I have to, um, I have to, I have to enter some, uh, some unpleasant places in order to, um, recall exactly what the fuck was going on. And, um, it's a, uh, it's a bit, um, it can be a bit of a strain when it's, when it's over, it's going to be feel, it's going to be very cathartic, but the actual process can be, um, uh, a challenge. That's all. You're doing method cartooning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Stanislavski yeah. would, would love yeah. this idea. Yes. I, I've also gained 300 pounds for it. Oh man. <laughs> well, <laughs> Hey, you know, once, that. once, once you're all finished, you know, uh, for something lighter, you can do with some, uh, liquid flannel fan art about oh, okay. what a great time you had on the show and oh, sure. uh, that'll, that'll, that'll pick your spirits right up yes absolutely absolutely <laughs> well please keep us posted about uh when that goes up and we'll be happy to oh, okay, send yeah, that out to our listeners it'll be a little well. while because it's sort of a longer um comment but yes i'll let you know yeah cool 
Well, Ellie Valley, um, sorry we couldn't get you to a high place, but it sounds like, you know, like so much of the work that you do, it's very important for you to be kind of down in those feelings. And um, I, I think that it's uh, really courageous of you to put yourself out there all the time. And it sure has been a, a treat and an honor to have you on the show to be able to talk about your work. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having awesome. me. Um, yeah, where can where can people find you uh, if they want to check out more of what you do? Um, my tw- my name on Twitter, and uh, I think my most I, I update Instagram the most. That's what I was saying. Like uh, one of the reasons I haven't updated my website is because uh, <laughs> I don't know it's TMI, but uh, Squarespace fucked me over with 100 image limit per page, and so now I I need to uh, shift all these comics uh, over to a new page, but it's Ugh. gonna you know all links are broken then and and uh redirects aren't working so i just i haven't updated my website in like several months so instagram is also my name that's that's where the easiest place to the updates cool (laughs) tmi (laughs) (laughs) thanks though yeah and you mentioned that uh talking gave at stanford and that you can find that on youtube uh drawing the dystopia uh posted by the uh, stanford sjp which is like a uh, a, a pro-palestine justice for palestine student group at, at stanford i mean it's a national group but it's um i think it's decentralized so it's a stanford branch of students for justice in palestine yes nice yeah. So, yeah, as someone who, you know, has followed your art and, you know, watched it online, it was really cool to, you know, watch the talk, to hear a little bit more about uh, your your upbringing and your background and, uh, you know, your your lifetime of activism. I, I noticed that in the talk, you posted like a picture of you at like an anti-Nazi protest when you were like six years old. Yeah, actually, that was, so, that was a protest to free Soviet Jews, but we uh, the banner or the sign that I was carrying was comparing it to Nazism, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I can't... Uh, I, I can't say that I'm surprised that you struggled to, uh, to, to, f- to find a hideout when you've literally been, uh, you know, on the front lines <laughs> protesting for, uh, for, for so many years. So, Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it was really amazing to, to, to watch and to learn, uh, so much about, uh, you know, what had brought you to, uh, to your political movement now. So it's, uh, it was really cool to watch. Thank so you. I appreciate it. Check it out, everybody. Cool. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be retweeting, you know, um, anything that that Ellie sends us. Um, uh, we're glad to have him as uh, part of the Liquid Flannel family at this point. Um, and you can, of course, always find us on Twitter at Liquid underscore Flannel. Uh, I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm at Matt the Great with the W. And my co-host Brendan Williams is also on Twitter. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L on Twitter. Thanks again, Ellie. It was awesome to get to talk to you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, and we'll see you all next week.